What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode, we're going to talk about a COVID outbreak shutting down the Trailblazers practice facility and Carmelo Anthony returning to the Blazers and the franchise being custodians of his legacy. Plus, my case for why the team should just give Carmelo Anthony number seven and end the charade. This was supposed to be a sort of mellow heavy episode. I had I had more mellow content for you, probably about a half hour of mellow talk. Uh, he, he came back this week or returned to the market this week, to use a Neil Olshay term, came back to Portland this week and spoke to the media. He's just a fantastic quote. So there was some, there was some good stuff. I also think sort of Mello's role is one of sort of the in, most interesting parts of the offseason, storylines of the offseason, sort of his decision to come back, how he fits, all these things. So I, I had a whole mellow show kind of planned out for you. But then this morning, I'm recording this on Sunday afternoon, this morning the Trailblazers announced that they shut down the practice facility due to three positive COVID tests. Here is the official release from President of Basketball Operations, Neil Olshay. I'll just read it to you word for word. Over the past four days, we've had three positive COVID test results within our organization. Out of an abundance of caution, having completed contact tracing, we are closing our practice facility today for deep cleaning while we run confirmatory tests. Blazers aren't the first team to have to shut down the facility due to uh, COVID testing, or I should say the positive COVID test from the result of testing, not not just due to the testing, but positive results. there's not, I don't, like, I, I don't have a take here. You know, this isn't, um, this is a serious thing that America has chosen to just let us endure as a country. That's our approach. And the NBA um, figured out a way to mitigate those, the risks of this disease, but that was to create an expensive bubble environment that was, you know, a struggle for players just mentally because you're closed off from the outside world and and all of the sort of comforts and your and your friends and family and all and and your regular life. But the bubble worked. The bubble worked and personal responsibility in our communities in this country doesn't work. It's it might work on a very granular level. I hope you listening have maintained uh, a level of safety that has allowed you to avoid contracting uh, this disease. And if you have or know people that have, I hope they are doing well. Um, But it's just the reality of of the world, reality of our country, is that if, if you are out in it, if you are out in public or in interfacing with more than a handful of people maybe even a handful is too many, then you are very likely to come in contact with COVID-19 and thus catch it. The Blazers shutting down their practice facility is a reminder that this could be the first of many times where the season has to pause. The bubble worked. The NBA discovered a 
a way to mitigate the risks, a way to, to, to create an environment where there were no risks to the disease. But that environment isn't super palatable. And quite frankly, I think that environment is too expensive for the league. So they're going with just a no bubble. Hopefully everyone acts the right way. But that's just it's it. Today's Blazer News is a reminder that even people who are understanding that their livelihoods and their um, chances to continue on playing the sport or running a billion dollar organization depend on them not getting, not contracting a disease, still can, even with good intentions, can come a, come in contact with it. Because it's it's everywhere. It's in our communities. Uh, Multnomah County, the practice facility is, is in, not in Multnomah County, but but Multnomah County, where Portland is, and the surrounding regions are high risk, according to the Oregon Health Authority. Um, it just sucks. I don't know any other way to put it, y'all. And not because of any sort of like, I want the Blazers to be the team that doesn't, that is responsible. Like, it just sucks. It sucks when it when it happened, would happen to any team, but it just sucks. It's just a reminder of the situation we're in and the fact that the league is going to press forward and play these games despite the obvious risks out there to people. I don't care to debate with you, dear listener. If you think the risks are relatively low, you can eat my shorts. Just send me your P.O. Box number. I'll send you a pair. The point is that they're pressing on with the with the season, despite these obvious risks, and this this moment for the Blazers shutting down their facility for at least Sunday and probably a couple more days is is just it's just a reminder of the of what our society is dealing with and our insistence on returning to normalcy or or presenting a normal front in in face of a truly abnormal times and i'm not one of those people that thinks like there's this f- sort of phrasing phraseology going around that sports are a reward for a functioning society. I'm not really here to tell you that. I don't. Um, sports are an escape for all of us in many ways. But they're also like a large capital machine, and we've seen it in other sports. Um, I thought MLB handled it really poorly, but made it happen. The NFL, (laughs) the NFL won't cancel a game, um, pretty much under any circumstances. They'll just reschedule and keep it moving and call it a success despite, um, some concerns, obvious concerns about, uh, the virus spreading within team facilities. Blazers aren't the first team to have to shut down their facility or or delay training at the beginning of training camp because of concerns and positive tests. They won't be the last. This won't be the last pause that infects the Blazers during the next eight months as they try to conclude this season. This is just the first of many, and I'm bummed by it because it is such a in-your-face reminder of the challenges still ahead for us and the lack of solutions available. Testing is nice and the and it's it's it it is a valuable piece of information, but it is not a preventative measure. It doesn't make you safer, it just makes you more aware of your exposure. So perhaps the people who tested positive this is some of some value to them because now they know that they've um you know, they know that they've have positive tests, they can do the 
proper contact tracing. They can quarantine. They can stay away. Um, they can limit their impact on other people and the spreading within the community. And perhaps the the amount of testing the Blazers are doing will actually end up keeping people safer. And I think that's a that's positive and realistically positive read. But before training camp even starts, as the Blazers ramp up to training camp, they're already shutting down the facility due to COVID. And it's just... It's where we are, and it's where we're going to be for a little while. So today was a reminder of that specifically for the old fighting pinwheels. Like I said at the top of the show, I didn't want to talk about this. It's not what I want to talk about. It's not, uh, you know, I, I want to bring you the news. I want to bring you updates. You follow this team closely. I think getting the important big headlines out there, I'm not going to put my head in the sand on this stuff. But I want to talk about Camaro Anthony. I had a whole I wanted I want to be excited about Mello. So what I want to do to close the show is shift gears. Look, it's my responsibility and my burden to bring you the bummers. It is part of reporting on this team in the manner in which I do it in this here podcast. So you got 10 minutes of bummers, and it truly is one. But let's shift gears a little bit, like I said. Let's talk about Carmelo Anthony in the second segment. But before I do that, Let's talk about Built Bar. You know Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. If you don't know Built Bar, it remains the best tasting protein bar ever. Comes in 18 amazing flavors. All those bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. It's a candy bar-like texture. Perhaps you have dabbled in the world of protein bars in the past, looking for a snack that adds some fuel to your system. Well, if you've chomped on any of those, you know that they can be dry and chalky and gross. But that's not what Bill Bar is. They're thwarting the dry and chalky label to make you delicious, great-tasting bars. But if that deliciousness doesn't sell you, what if I tell you this? They're all low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. Take, for instance, the coconut almond flavor. It's got 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. If you're looking for a snack in your house, you can do a whole lot worse than Built Bar. So don't do worse. Just do Built Bar. And, and do that by going to BuiltBar.com and using the promo code LOCKEDON. Get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your next order. BuiltBar.com. All right. So we got the news, the headlines out of the way. The Blazers have shut down their practice facility due to three positive COVID tests. We don't know who those people are. I don't think it does us any value to speculate. The team was supposed to begin training camp this week. Uh, TBD on when that will start. Obviously, as we know more, this is the place to learn about it, or at least to hear me talk about it. You may learn about it in another place, but come for um, some reaction and some context here on, on Locked on Blazers. But let's let's move on. Not because it's time to hide from the truth, but because there's just more fun stuff to talk about. And it's Sunday afternoon. Let's have a little fun. Carmelo Anthony came back to Portland this week and spoke to the media via video conferencing as a part of the Trailblazers Media Days, a three-day event filled with a few hours of Zoom interviews. What more could... You ask for then Carmelo Anthony via video conference. Melo is just a really compelling interview. Um, 
I, I don't know if I knew that about him prior to getting the chance to talk with him when he joined the Blazers. Like I knew he was, I had seen the sound bites or whatever in New York. Um, but I don't think I really got the sense of him. And I, you know, I knew he was kind of like a deep thinker as his sort of brand, but I never got the sense of him just being like a good, a good sort of like talker about all topics. Um, and that's probably my own, just not paying close enough attention to him, but he's, he's fantastic. Like more mellows. He's just a good interview. He answers questions honestly. Uh, he's um, he's just he's he's a compelling for video conferencing, which can be pretty bad. He's a compelling feller. And I thought there were some good highlights. You know, he talked about um, coming back, and he talked about swallowing the pill and making the decision to come off the bench and being um, sort of you know, wanting to come back to the Blazers team and being, um, having high hopes. Uh, he said he wouldn't be here if he didn't have high hopes for what they could accomplish. And, and you can, uh, find this interview on YouTube. I'm not going to drop in the audio because, uh, I can just bring you the highlights here. It's about 25 minutes of, of mellow interview. It's available on the Trailblazers YouTube page. Um, but I, I think there, there was one thing one little moment that stood out to me, and it comes courtesy of friend of the show, Jason Quick of The Athletic. Jason asked Mello if he, part of, you know, coming back, he considers his legacy. And this was spurned by a comment that Neil Olshay made in his Media Day presser, or his, I guess, free agency draft presser, two and one, where he's where he basically said, like, part of Mello coming back means the Blazers are custodians of his legacy. And I kind of brush that off as Neil being a little bit much. He can lay it on thick. He's a little ham-fisted, to use one of my favorite terms. But I think Mello's answer kind of gives you a sense of why it has worked here and why he chose to come back here with the Blazers as opposed to his other stops. And, and and quite frankly, as opposed to going back to New York, um, he certainly could have. And he talked about that in the in the interview, too, basically saying, like, they're in a rebuild and I don't want to go back there and mess up what they're doing. And I think it says I don't want to play for a shitty team. And I think that's part of why Mello was out of the league for 10 months is because he wanted a starting spot and he wanted to play in a not shitty team. And there just weren't a lot of people. There weren't a lot of teams that sort of had that opportunity for him and and had that quality for him now the Blazers weren't good when they signed him but they had good players and they ended up being a you know a playoff team and he was a big part of that so I think it it checks some of the boxes relatively competitive team you know one of the 10 best players in the league starting spot obviously he chose to come back come back here for a different reason and I think it's that different reason that I want to highlight here so quick asked ask Melo kind of in, along the lines of Neil talking about being a custodian of your legacy, is, is legacy something you think about? And Mello, like I, I preface this segment with, is that he's just such a great interview and he gave an introspective answer about his own legacy and the preservation of it. He was saying you have to think about it and not, and maybe you don't think about it when you're in your eight or nine, which I think Guys definitely do. They might just not acknowledge it as as openly as Mello does. But he mentioned he's 18 years in the league, about to begin his 18th NBA season. Holy cow, that is a long time. And that when you get to year 18, 
your legacy and how you are remembered is the sort of the thing that you are playing for at this point. Uh, Melo's accomplished a lot. He's an All-NBA, an, all, an All-Star, a scoring champion. He hasn't had a ton of team success, but he's he is going to be a Hall of Famer and part of sort of having that protecting that legacy is going out in a situation that isn't like Houston where he's just kind of kicked out of the league unceremoniously dropped out of the league I should say unceremoniously so I think Mello's response and I want to read it to you here he says that was one of the major points of emphasis in the conversations I had with Neil in particular we talked about it it being legacy and he made me feel comfortable as far as him protecting that legacy and then he's kind of continuing that quote and continuing that thought. And he, he, he cuts himself off and he comes back and basically mentions, or it could be a situation like it was in Houston. And I think this is the difference. And this is the sort of core difference in between the situation with why Mello's here and why it didn't work out in the past. Number one, why it didn't work out in the past is because Mello was not humbled and not able to accept a a diminished role or a third option or all of these things. And the other reason is because the Houston Rockets tried, instead of saying, hey, Mello, we understand who you are and we respect like capital M Mello or whatever with Mr. Anthony, uh, and we know you're a Hall of Famer and we're going to treat you as such. And even if you have a reduced role, we're going to be totally honest with you. My sense was that the Rockets said, you need to do this. You know, Mike D'Antoni is a great coach, but he's, if nothing else, he's, he's extremely stubborn. So my sense was they said, we need you to do this. And he said, well, you know, I want to do these other things. And they said, okay, if you can't do that, you can't be involved. And the Blazers have both on the court, let Mello be mellow. And they've also celebrated him a great deal as this sort of um, icon, franchise icon. And I think those two things, making sure he has a role, making sure he's respected both sort of like by the coaching staff with his playing time and also sort of by the way the franchise celebrates Mello and lets him kind of have a big role and go out on his terms. They have, you know, the Blazers have bent over backwards isn't the right word, but they have accommodated Mello. They have they have really truly accommodated Melo. He got a you know I don't I think this is a small thing but he got a corner locker stall when he came here. The type of thing that they do for vets and the older older guys. He, um, you know he's he's number three in the pecking order in terms of Dame CJ then Melo. But he's number three in the pecking order, right? Like he doesn't he wouldn't have to have been that last year. And I think that because they know because he knows that they're sort of opened and honest and also like will will allow him to spread his wings a little bit he chose to come back here because he knows they will they will respect him and and let him in some ways dictate the terms or dic- or at least have some sort of creative control over what's next for him and that protects his legacy because he goes out on positive terms and a positive note he goes out with saying the you know the mellow years in portland you know we'll see what happens with team success and that might color things differently but for now it's the the franchise is willing to accommodate what mellow needs sort of ego wise and I, I i don't say that as like a, a slight in every job people have egos obviously in the nba it gets magnified because people are making millions of dollars but in your workplace you can think of people who have who um, have an ego that has to be managed in order for the job to be done well um probably doesn't happen in every single workplace but certainly in some of them i um 
some of them that I have worked, that that is an important part of the uh, of the office dynamic. And I don't think that that's any different in the NBA. I think it's, like I said, I think it's super magnified in the NBA. And the Blazers are are have figured out how to manage that, how to maximize that. And they got good production out of Melo. He wasn't the most efficient player ever, but he liked being here. He has come back and said all the right things publicly about accepting a smaller role. And he knows that they will be, to use a Neil term, custodians of his legacy. And that appreciation of what the franchise will do for him is one of the main reasons he's back here now and not somewhere else. He wanted to be here to play with Dame and play with CJ and play with Nurk and play on a, for a team run by Neil Olshay because he knew Neil would celebrate Mello. He knew the franchise would celebrate Mello, let Mello be Mello both on and off the court. And that custodians of his legacy saying, this dude is in year 18, he's a Hall of Famer, we're going to treat him right both in you know, post touches, mid post touches at 17 feet, and also what he wants, how he wants to be treated and respected and celebrated on our social media channels and in our, um, in just in how we treat guys off the court and how, and how they have input on things. We will make sure he's involved in that because we'll protect his legacy because we know that not a lot of guys with mellow, shiny resume have signed with the trailblazers in a long time it goes this is i talked about this in a previous uh podcast but the blazers just they have a certain way about how they do things and i think bringing mellow back into the fold and their approach with him is just highlights how they do things they are um you know i think players first is a little bit of a cliche but they treat guys right and um mellow is a good example of them treating a guy right paying off for them because he chose to come back here but there's one more issue with Mello, and it's not how he's treated, but it's how he dresses. That's right. We're talking about his hats. I've got a... Pr- no, I'm just kidding. It's his jersey number, y'all. He came here and wore double zero. He doesn't want to wear double zero. He wants to wear number seven. And what I want to close out the show today is telling you why I think they should just end the charade. Give my man the jersey number he wants. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to Locked On Blazers. If you like this podcast, you know what you're going to love? You're going to love the Locked On NBA season preview. The 2021 NBA season is almost here. Days away. And the Locked On NBA podcast network is going to get you ready with a special week of shows beginning December 14th. Get previews on every team, division by division, from all 30 Locked On posts. That's me and 29 of my friends. Actually, plenty of shows got multiple hosts, so more like, you know, 38 of my friends. But you get the picture. What you need to do is subscribe to Locked on NBA wherever you get podcasts, because here in the next couple weeks, we'll be rolling out a wonderful show, previewing the season in a way that simply no other podcast network can. So check it out. That's Locked on NBA wherever you already get podcasts. All right, we talked about Mello. We talked about his legacy and sort of the Blazers treating him right and being aware being aware that he's aware that his legacy is at stake in the way that this season goes and that they and he believes that they can they are the team that will respect it and protect it right. 
I tend to think they will. But one thing the Blazers are going to get wrong is that, is that Carmelo Anthony is wearing double zero this year again, at least as of right now when I'm recording this on Sunday. And when they released their uh, training camp roster, Carmelo Anthony was listed on there as number double zero. For those of you curious, Ennis Cantor, who was the first double zero uh, back in recent years, uh, he's wearing number 11 this year. So shout out to Myers Leonard. But Carmelo Anthony doesn't want to wear number zero or excuse me, double zero. He he might want to wear zero, uh, but I think that belongs to someone else in the organization. Can't remember who. He doesn't want to wear double zero. He's worn seven his whole career. And by that, I mean ever since he left the Denver Nuggets and stopped wearing number 15. But he wore seven in New York. It's the number he wants to wear. But the for the Blazers, the number seven is in a strange place. When Scalabissier came here, he wanted to wear number seven. Now, Scalabissier is not Carmelo Anthony, but he is an NBA player who should get to choose uh, numbers that aren't retired. The franchise told him that number seven was not available. That's because it belonged to Brandon Roy. And the franchise has not chosen to retire his jersey, but doesn't, but Brandon Roy was important enough to the team that they don't they don't want someone else to wear it. Now I can understand not giving it to Scalabus here. No disrespect to him, but he ain't Carmelo Anthony. But Carmelo Anthony wants to wear it. And I don't think he was offered it. I just don't think they make it available. It's not like he says, let me wear seven. And he, they say, no, I think they just give him a list of numbers. Hey, here's the numbers we have available. Seven's just not on the list. It's just not available. Not not on the one you, not one you can point at on the PDF. And I think it's, I quite frankly think it's dumb. Let me say this and let me get this out of the way. Brandon Roy is perhaps the most important basketball, professional basketball player in my life. He's the person that, Re, that introduced me to the NBA game as an adult, brought me in and taught me to love it. I had grown up in a college basketball town, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And I like I liked the NBA. I watched a bunch of it, but I was never really a fan fan. I wasn't drawn in. I enjoyed watching the playoffs. You know, I I rooted against the Shaq and Kobe Lakers and I rooted for the Spurs and then against the Spurs and then for the Spurs again. I loved the 90s Rockets. I rooted for the Jazz to beat Michael Jordan's Bulls. And in the 2000s, I enjoyed the Rasheed Wallace Pistons. I loved the turn-of-the-century Blazers that lost to the Lakers, you may recall. But I didn't—I wasn't hooked. But when I moved here to Portland, Oregon in 2006, the fall of 2006, that same very fall that LaMarcus Aldridge and Brandon Roy also moved here, Brandon Roy was just a joy, a delight. And he he rescued the Blazers and is extremely important to the franchise for that. They were in a really dark space for a decade and he brought them back to relevance and he also took the responsibility of being the voice of the franchise in a way that his counterparts, Greg Oden and LaMarcus Aldridge, were incapable or unwilling to do. He was the face and the voice of the franchise's revival. He is incredibly important. And for me personally, he was the person with that as the face and as the voice. He was the person that hooked me into being an NBA junkie from a casual fan to someone who followed the minutia minute to minute. I loved Brandon Roy. But if you're not going to retire his jersey, give it to Carmelo Anthony. I don't think this is the space to debate whether they should um, retire Brandon Roy's jersey. That's a great off-season podcast, you know? I will hit that one next summer when the things are slow. 
But right now, Carmelo says he wants to wear the jersey. He even joked, uh, you know, let me sign a petition. We need a petition. I need number seven. I want to wear it. And if you think letting him wear number seven disrespects Brandon Roy's legacy, I respectfully disagree because I believe that the legacy and the wonder of Brandon Roy, the guy who made me love the NBA, is something I hold in my heart. It is represented by that number seven. But the the space where I appreciate Brandon Roy is not a jersey number. It is a memory. It is a time. It is an experience that I can't return to but am so fond of. Seeing Carmelo Anthony wear that jersey will not diminish it for me. And if the team can't figure out whether they want to retire it or not... There is no reasonable explanation for why someone with Carmelo Anthony's legacy shouldn't be allowed to wear it. It's weird that they would give it to Scalabas here. I agree. Scal is a random bench player. And hell, Carmelo Anthony is kind of reduced to random bench player this year. Backup power forward Carmelo Anthony. But Carmelo has accomplished a great deal in his career. It is not an insulting it is not as nearly as insulting to say, let's give this number to another Hall of Famer who wants to wear it. In fact, you can still retire it after Carmelo wears it. You can still retire it with, with Brandon Roy's name on it if you want to put it up in the rafters. But the, jer- the jersey being up in the rafters, the number being honored or anything like that, does not change, will not diminish the legacy of Brandon Roy. If we're talking about the legacy of Carmelo Anthony, let's talk about the legacy of Brandon Roy. It won't diminish it. It won't impact it for me. It will not change it whatsoever. And it is, the franchise has found itself in a bizarre place where they don't want to retire the jersey. They've got this weird beef with Brandon Roy because he's not super into the spotlight. He He won't show up to, he won't come to the Rose Garden and be publicly acknowledged. He won't come to the arena and be publicly acknowledged. He's just not ready to do that emotionally. The team gave him all this money and then waived him. And then he came back for the Minnesota Timberwolves and cost them $80 million or whatever it was, $65 million uh, by by returning and uh, screwing up their insurance claim. So there was beef there with the franchise because they felt like they were on the hook for money they shouldn't have owed him. But let's sort out the politics of Brandon Roy in another place, another theater. The solution here is simple. Give Carmelo the jersey number he wants. It won't be a big deal after 10 games. Sort out how to treat Brandon Roy and his legacy after that. That's it. That's the solution. I figured it out. Took me 11 minutes. Somebody get Jody Allen on the phone for me. Call Vulcan Inc. Where is Burt Cold? Have Burt Cold get a hold of me. I know Neil's got my number. Just let him holler at your boy. I'll explain why it's okay for Mello to wear the jersey. Then we can sort out. We can all get in the room and we can sort out, you know, we'll all get in, not a room. Uh, we'll all get into an open, like, surface parking lot and we'll stand 10 feet away from each other and we'll sort out this Brandon Roy mess. But let Mello wear number seven. It makes no sense. And it, it leaving it in this middle ground where the Hall of Fame free agent guy wants to wear the jersey number, but he can't because former star of the past has a rocky relationship with the team and they don't want to mess it up is a, is a bizarre place for a jersey number to be. 
Stop the, stop the madness. Let Melo wear seven. If you're listening to this on Monday morning or even Sunday evening when this posts, we got Mailbag Monday coming up. It's our weekly mailbag show. To get involved, just tweet at me, Mike, at Mike G. Rich, or email me, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already listen to podcasts. Just search Locked On Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.